What's going on, Straight Talk Faithful? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, back with another one. And this one is big time, real big time. Please help me welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, the one and only 14-year veteran, Bill Collier. How are you, sir? Oh, man, doing good. How are you? I'm great, man. It's 12 o'clock noon. We're going to sit down and talk wrestling on a Sunday. Is anything better than this in life right now? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Other than other than uh, friends and family, no, absolutely not. What else could what else could we do on a Sunday afternoon? Well, with COVID, not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot. Yeah, that, that's terrible. Um, so how are things up there with uh, with COVID and all that? Because uh, down here, things are uh, things are loosening up a little bit. They seem to loosen up and then they tighten up and they loosen up and tighten up. We're we're fortunate enough to get uh, <clears throat> get a few events under our belt here and there. But how are things going up there? Well, unfortunately, uh, we have been the top story for a lot of you guys in the U.S. Uh, it's apparently getting bad to worse. Our numbers are spiking. We're on like a serious lockdown, and our wonderful premier wants to tighten the noose even more to the point where um, police can stop us at any time. We can't go from city to city. So if you live in Brampton, where I live, you stay in Brampton. If you live in Toronto, you stay in Toronto. You live in Barrie, you stay in Barrie. You, if you get caught jumping regions, could be big fines. It's almost like uh, a dictatorship over here, man. It's crazy right wow. now. Wow, that, that is absolutely crazy. It is. Uh, I mean, and, and it's hard to say what what the what the right answer is at this time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. And even though we have the vaccine, we all know the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. All it does is decrease your symptoms. So you can still spread whether you're asymptomatic or be symptomatic or it's exhausting. It's exhausting, but, um, you know, you got to find the positives and the positives are that I've been able to, uh, sit down and have conversations with people like you. And that keeps my mental stability in check that and my beautiful wife and my two little kids, they keep me in check all the time. I have, uh, I have two beautiful kids as well. Uh, the age gap between them is 22 years. <laughs> my son's 22 years old and my daughter is, uh, she'll be eight months. Well, that's perfect, though. That means the big brother's already ready for when boys come a knocking. Now, obviously, dad is ready as well. But when boys come a knocking, they got to mm -hmm. deal with dad and the big brother. Dad stays ready. I mean, it, it, it was COVID, like we said, I, uh, with all the lockdowns, I took the liberty of uh, I was a lot one of the uh, gym guys that were left out in the cold mm -hmm. and with nothing. I come I come home and I had like a bench and a few bands and some 10 pound dumbbells. And if you've ever seen me work or seen me in person, I'm not the biggest guy, but I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> 10 pound dumbbells are not going to get it done. No. So, um, <laughs> so I went ahead and I, it was hard to do and it took a while, but I have a full blown gym in my house. And that's actually where I'm at right now. You can see some of the equipment here. Yeah. But, uh, that way this this doesn't happen to me again and it's it's enough to torture myself and it's enough to uh get done what i need done but it was uh it was tough it was really it was another one of those things like i, I can't not train if you're going to take wrestling away from me that's that's fine but like i can't not train like i need to be ready so i went ahead and built a uh built a full gym at home well, that's good. And that's the smart thing that a lot of people even here have done as well. Um, I am not a gym guy, as you can clearly see. I do like my food, but I try to eat my vegetables and eat healthy as much as I can. But I, I do love my cakes and my cookies and my ice cream and my three cups of coffee a day. So, 
Well, that's that's my bugaboo too. Uh, food, I love food, so I have to uh, I have to train extra hard because of the way I eat. <laughs> <laughs> so you've said that you know you were able to at least get some wrestling, um, you know, events under your belt, and nothing has been no bigger in in my opinion, and probably for you, uh, than the three appearances that you've had on AEW: two on Elevation, one on Dark. That was huge. It was uh, it was unbelievable. Um, I got the email for extra work. Um, that was in the works for a while, but I got the email for the confirmation for extra work, and I went down to Jacksonville with no real expectation. Um, I didn't expect to walk in and then say, "Hey, you know, how about hopping in the ring with uh, you know the face of our company here with John Moxley or, or you know one of our other top guys, Adam Page." Uh, the John Moxley match aired first, but the first match that I did was the six-man tag against Dark Order. And I saw the six-man tag, Dark Order, and that's still, it's, it's like their top faction. I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, that's kind of what I expected. Like tag stuff, you know, some stuff here and there. Uh, middle of the road, I didn't expect a lot. Um, when I come out of the ring from the six-man tag, there were a lot of people waiting for me at the curtains like wow that was pretty impressive and so the very next night uh i'm in the ring with john moxley uh and that was a that was a big deal like probably one of the first times that i can in recent memory that i can actually remember being that nervous walking to the ring but it was a nervous excitement right because you i know you earned this spot i know you earned because yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it, at this point, if we're being honest, John Moxley is probably one of the top five most recognizable guys in the business today. Easily one of the top five stars in the business today. He's probably the face of AEW right now. Um, and it's on his, it's, it's in his ring. It's on his turf. You know what I mean? So that added to it. At least if I were to catch him out, you know, out in the independence somewhere, It'd still be those nerves, maybe not as much, but this was like the top guy in his backyard. So it was like, all right, this is a lot of pressure, guys. Let's see if let's see if it's it's time to sink or swim. <laughs> like you're saying, it's that 14 year veteran experience of the test right here. Absolutely, and you know, one of my favorite moments of that match was that amazing drop kick. You rung his bell, and the height that you got on that drop kick was incredible. I mean, you a lot of nowadays big men are big men that wrestle like small guys. You got guys like Jacob Fatu over at MLW. He wrestles like a cruiserweight, but he's close to 300 pounds. And then you got yeah. Kevin Owens in WWE. Again, a guy my size, 260, 270. And he's running around like he's 190 pounds dripping wet. And then it goes yeah. for you. Guy, six feet something, 270, <laughs> cut like a rock. And you took yeah. flight. like, And it was a standing drop kick. There was no running there. It was a stand yep. and deliver drop kick. And man, I thought you rung his bell. I was, I went up to the TV. I was like, is he, is he knocked out right now? He looks like he, <laughs> he might be like, I, it was, it was incredible athleticism and that's a credit to you and how hard you work. But tell me about, um, tell me about, let's go back for a little bit. Let's go back to your 14 year career before we go back to AEW over 400 matches. 470 something if i'm if my research has done me correct now mind you the internet is always wrong so it's never 100 yeah. percent. It, it's probably it's probably double that okay okay, okay. we're almost at a thousand uh i would say i would say somewhere between eight and a thousand yeah 800 and a thousand um because there's a lot of stuff like if you do some research there's a lot of like even i looked 
and I know where a, a lot of people get their information from, that there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, but when I go down and look, I'm like, wow, there's like huge gaps of like loops I've done where I've done, you know, 10 matches in a weekend because we do like tapings. Um, one particular, I know that uh, I do a set of series of tapings and the, uh, they call themselves IWWA now, but I bet I, I wrestled for them for five or six years and the advertisement was just live pro wrestling. And they would do like local TV stuff and we would do loops through West Virginia, sometimes Thursday to Sunday, wrestling two or three times a night for these tapings that they would do. Now I'm not from West Virginia, so I've never seen a minute of this footage, but it's out there and those matches exist. Somebody has, somebody somewhere has seen them. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot not there, but um, yeah, it's probably closer to 800 to a thousand. Well, that's incredible. And that's, again, that's a credit to you and how hard you work. Now, one question I do got to ask, right? A story I got to tell that you may appreciate is I discovered you in February of 2020. And okay. the reason that sticks out to me is because I saw Speedball, Speedball Mike Bailey for the first time at a crossbody show in Kitchener. I approached him about coming on the show and he was like, absolutely, man, we'll set it up. So once we schedule the date, I start doing my research because I want to get to know these people more on a professional and personal level. And I came across a match with you and him at Greek town wrestling and you <laughs> obliterated him to no point. Like it was a hard fought battle back and forth. You guys went to town on each other, but you got him with that knockout punch. You dropped right. him in the middle of the ring. And um, that's where I discovered you for the first time. We, uh, <laughs> It, it, it was fun. Uh, the, the one thing about the one like drawback to that was, is that was his only match for the night. So there was a lot of stuff like, like was, he has a lot in his bag, Like he has a lot of stuff that he can do. He's very, one of the most athletic guys I've, I've been in the ring with. Um, I had three matches lined up for that night. So I kind of pumped the, the, the brakes a little bit on the match with him. It's like, okay, cause I have this. Then I have this, then I have this. Um, I would like, uh, I wouldn't mind another match with him where it's just me and him and we can really unload. And because like, we only really scratched the surface of, of what I think him and me could do. Um, give us a one-on-one -on -one where we're the only match on the card for both of us. And, you know, it could probably get a lot better than what you saw there. Oh, I have no doubt about that. But if you if you scratch the surface and pump the brakes, then I don't want to see you at full tilt. Because if that was pumping the brakes, that was incredible. Because full tilt is probably insane. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a. Uh, and again, I don't want to say because, um, like you said, it was insane. It was it was really good. I don't, I haven't taken anything away from the audience, but there was uh, I think we did eight minutes maybe, where give us twelve. And then really watch us work. Yeah. Um, for eight minutes, I'll, I'll give you eight minutes and I'll give you an intense eight minutes. Um, but like, again, I'm a bigger guy at 260 pounds. I, I got to have something in the gas tank for match two and match three. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about um, some of the cool things that I always love talking about. I love talking to, to veterans, to uh, legends, to anybody I can really have these conversations with. And that's what I always state when you're on when you're on straight talk wrestling, it's not interviews conversations it's you and i kicking back we're going to be comfortable we're going to enjoy it but Absolutely. with 
with not being able to wrestle on a consecutive basis. And a lot of people don't understand ring rust. It's a real, real thing. So, is what, so is it, is it harder? Is it harder to wrestle here and there and then kind of dust off the ring rust when you can, or is it more difficult to not wrestle for a full year, let your body completely heal, then go back? Which type of ring rust would be more difficult? Uh, I would say consistency is the key. Uh, I've heard a lot in this business, motion is the lotion to, to keeping your body fresh. Um, right now, I'm, I'm at about two, or, I went from like seven or eight uh, gigs a month to maybe two. And as, as we pointed out, uh, 14 years uh, in the wrestling business, you can guess by just that number alone, I'm not a young man anymore. <laughs> um, so two or three times training, right? I still go to training probably twice a month. Um, training for me now is about a five-hour drive. Uh, but I try to stop in when I'm in town and work out a little bit with the younger guys. Uh, but um, it would definitely be harder if you took a longer period off when COVID first hit and lockdowns first happened, I think it was, I want to say six months before I was in the ring again. That was a six month gap. That was the longest gap I've had since I started. And like many people, when all the shutdowns started happening, I got frustrated. I got frustrated fast and I got frustrated now because it was everything that I've done for the last like 14 or 15 years. Here's going to the gym, here's traveling, going to wrestling events all of that gone now. So when I finally built my home gym, I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to unplug from the wrestling business completely. I didn't watch it, didn't talk about it, didn't do it, wasn't around it at all. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay in my gym. I'm going to work out hard. Um, I'll be ready. But uh, <laughs> over that six months, I really got heavy in the lifting again and probably put on a good 15, 20 pounds, a good 15, 20 pounds, not, not a sloppy 15, like a good 15, 20 pounds. But now all of a sudden within two weeks, I'm back in a ring. Like from the time that like, this is a possibility to it actually happening was like two weeks. So now I'm 15 pounds heavier, although good shape, that 15 pounds was a lot to carry around. <laughs> um, but, uh, now that we're moving on a fairly consistent basis, like one or two a month or two or three a month, it gives my body time to heal and I stay, I stay fairly fresh. But when you put on that extra good 20, 15 to 20 pounds, did you have to change up your repertoire? Did you have to change up what you did in the ring? Cause you had that extra weight to carry. I it didn't, it really didn't dawn on me. Uh, it really didn't like until cause the first, the first day back was a double shot right away. It was one in the afternoon and then one later that night. Nice. And I was, uh, I opened up at IWC in Pittsburgh against Andrew Palace, who, by the way, just made his appearance on AEW last week. Yes, I did see that. Yes, I did. Um, really good guy. Andrew Palace is fun to watch. Um, he'd be another, he'd be another good guest, but, uh, we opened up and it was, I, I want to say bell time was 1 p.m. And when the bell rang, it was probably 95 degrees outside. I'm 15 pounds heavy. Haven't been in a ring in six months. I'm like, 
this is not going to go well. Uh, we did about 10 minutes and him and me, and he's in really good shape too. Him and me both were like, all right, enough of this 95 degree heat outdoors. Well, then later that night, I closed for Imagine Wrestling in Altoona, Pennsylvania against Spencer Blade, who also made his appearance on AEW this week. IWC and uh, Imagine Wrestling being represented very well. Uh, so later that night, now Spencer Slade is, if you've ever seen this kid, he, sh he shredded you know, to the tens. And I'm like, all right, this kid's going to want to go. So let's see what we got. And um, we probably did 20 minutes. And by that time at night, it, it had cooled down to about 80 degrees. And we did about 20 minutes. And I was really happy with the way things felt, with the way I felt. But through natural progression of like, okay, now we're, now we're running every, you know, every month. Here's two or three gigs. My training has adjusted accordingly. Uh, I'm back to around my, my legitimate weight is probably 250 or so. I'm back to around 250. That's what I like to call fight weight, mm -hmm. <laughs> like 250. Uh, I feel good and my body doesn't hurt. I'm not sore. I'm not traveling as far every weekend. Um, but I'm ready for things to open up and get back to a, a real sense of normal. 100%. But you know what's been cool, what had to have been cool, is uh, you said your daughter's eight months old. So yes. COVID was able to get you to spend probably way more time with her than you would have been able to had the world been regular, right? Oh, yeah. yep, absolutely. Because um, when my girlfriend had told me that uh, – we were having a we were having a baby that, that's always good news to hear huh um the weekend before i had rolled my ankle in a cage match really bad this was january of 2020 this was just before everything started breaking down and i went to the gym and my ankle was swelled up it looked like a softball and i had come home and i'm talking to her and i'm just so full of my own so full of my own bullshit and i'm just talking about my ankle and she's smiling at me and i'm just like what the what what are we smiling at what's going on this is my this is this serious business over here this is my ankle and uh, that's when she laid the news on me and i was like wow like i'm really gonna do this again i'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be a father again because raising my son was easily the best experience of my life but again that the, the this should tell you something, a 22 year age gap, not a young man anymore. How's this going to go now? And then just two months later, everything starts shutting down. I thought like, wow, I'm, I'm really going to bring a kid into this world. And everything seems like it's just falling apart out there. What are we going to do? And between both of my children, like having the birth of my daughter and my son around, it's, it's as bad as things get out there, you can look inward and, and, and see what's going on in your own life and be like, no, I'm, I'm still pretty fortunate, you know? And like you said, I got to spend a lot of time with her um, that I probably normally wouldn't have because I'd be traveling and you don't bring an eight month old baby on the road, man. But uh, so I got, I was very, I'm very fortunate. I got to spend a lot of time last summer with my son too, which was fantastic. And that's awesome. Like the, I'm a girl dad. I have two daughters. I have an 11 year old and a five year old and they're both crazy. They're both crazy, but I love them to death. But, um, but one of the things I miss, and this is probably a cool moment from you for being a, a fellow girl dad, like myself is sometimes 
babies, the babies cry at night, it, it's inevitable, it happens. So you got to, as a dad, you got to step in and tell your wife, unless she's, you know, breastfeeding, you say, hey, listen, babe, I got it. I, I'm going to take this one. And some of the coolest moments where I would literally go into the nursery, we'd have one of those old school rocking chairs, but we had like the padding on it. So your butt doesn't fall asleep. Absolutely. And, and I would hold her, I'd feed the bottle. And then she just grabbed your finger. She wraps her hand around your finger. And for that yep. brief moment in time, it's only you and her and Absolutely. that comfortable silence. That's one of my, that was one of my favorite memories from both my kids. She still, uh, she still does that because she's still really little yet. She'll still do that. And every once in a while, uh, if we're playing, if we're sitting on the floor, I'm feeding her, she does that. And here's, here's a cool little story. I can remember because when my son was born, it was like, ah, oh, cool. Like here, here's my buddy. And he is, he's my buddy. And I kind of have those moments with him because we both ride motorcycle and we'll be out on a ride and he'll be out in front of me. And I'll have that moment where it, it's me and my boy and we're out riding and it's, it's a good feeling, you know what I mean? And everything just feels at peace. And when I found out I was going to have a little girl, I was scared. I was like, all right, I'm going to mess this up. I'm not going to know how to do this. I'm not going to be a good girl, dad, like you said. And when she was born and the minute they, they, they laid her down on mom first and, and mom kind of has that time with her, but the minute they, they take her and they move her over and they start getting her cleaned up to, you know, get her, get her measured, get her weighed and all that. She's sitting there under the light and I reached over and, and the first thing she did was she grabbed the hold of my finger and squeezed it really tight. And I can just remember thinking like, wow, she's really strong. And that, that's when right there, I was like, that, that's daddy's little girl. So I had my little boy and, and now here's my little girl. And I, I knew in that moment, you know, I'm not going to mess this up. Things are going to be all right. Absolutely. And you know what? Things are going to get a lot cooler. Um, I'm a, I'm a big macho dude, but I'm a big teddy bear and a softie when it comes to my kids. And one of the oh, things you got to look forward to is uh, tea parties. Um, you will wear a crown. You will right. wear a boa and okay. you will like it because you right. have no choice. Absolutely. Because like when my son was little, it was everything I did as a kid because I'm still a big kid at heart. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, cool. We're getting the, we're getting the wrestlers out. Let's get them out. And <laughs> I can remember there was a period of probably a, a good period of four or five years. <clears throat> and that's a long time where our dining room was no longer a dining room. That was our wrestling arena. We had the entranceway, we had the ring, we had the, like the commentary tables, we had everything. And this is what was set up on the dining room table for a while. It was like, all right, kid, let's go play. And we'd go play or we'd go outside and do stuff. And it was unbelievable, man. And those are the moments that like when people ask me, you know, some of, some of your favorite moments in wrestling, it would be like, I'd have the TV on, we'd be watching Monday Night Raw, we'd be playing right here. That's, that's my favorite memories in the business right here not even being in it and doing it, like watching it and playing with my son. But yeah, now I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, being a, uh, a princess dad. <laughs> it is a pretty cool feeling. And let me tell you something, man. Um, you start to really appreciate Disney. And thank God for Disney Plus, because it's, it's a godsend to fathers like us, because we can keep up on all the new hot stuff. So when Christmas rolls around, we know exactly what's popping. And we know exactly how to handle it. Right now, it's 101 Dalmatians. She gets fussy, 101 Dalmatians, settles her right down. 
<laughs> my five-year-old is into that new one that just came out, uh, Rayu and the Last Dragon. Uh, okay. Badass warrior sword fights and stuff. That's one you and your missus and the little the little one, even your son, your twenty two year old son would dig it. I'll put my money on that. I will right. I'll put my money on that. We'll that up, man. Absolutely. So you know what's kind of cool though is that you being in the wrestling business and now bringing in a little girl when she starts discovering wrestling because she's gonna want to know what daddy does, what daddy does for work. She's in a time period where women are second to none, and she's coming into some of the best women in the game. Absolutely. You know, and for years, um, that's all the women wanted in the business. If you hear any of their interviews, that's all they've ever wanted in the business for is for it to be what it is now. And think about how many women got passed over or didn't get the opportunity to showcase what they could really do like they do now. Mm -hmm. um, imagine because you, you'd see women like Trish Stratus, who was already at the top of her game like already one of the like res most respectable women wrestlers there were from what she started at to what she became uh lita um jazz victoria beth phoenix think about what these are gail kim what they would have been if they would have just been allowed to have these classic matches all the time like to see what the women are doing now it's like wow these women are fantastic and right now, are there any two better than the Raw and Women's uh, champ, the, the, the Raw Women's Champ, the SmackDown Women's Champ? Are there any two better than Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair right now? Like those two are on top of their game. They're unbelievable. The the moment at the the Women's Royal Rumble when they both wound up on the outside of the apron and made that eye contact, knowing they're the last two. It's like, all right, whoever wins this you know, the fans are getting their money's worth. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who it's going to be. I was like, this is going to be great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You, you felt that moment. It was like, wow, this is amazing. You can feel that for anyone that says that what we do isn't real. Watch something like that or watch you get, sometimes you don't really get the emotion that goes on because we're in character so much in the ring and what you see is very character driven. Um, you don't get to see cracks in that very often. And when you saw Bianca Belair, like break down almost before her match with Sasha Banks, that's the realism of what we do. Like that was her years of hard work and dedication landed her in that spot. A lot of people say, will say things like, and I heard this about myself uh, just recently in the past few weeks. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it. Uh, no, you don't. You deserve nothing. You get what you earn, not what you deserve. And she earned every bit of that. And that was all her hard work and everything she earned in that one moment. And kudos to Sasha Banks for giving her a second to let her get that out. That true professional right there. 100%. And it was what was a great moment for me about that was is that um, here's my 11 year old who's conflicted and torn because she's a Sasha Banks girl, but she yeah. loves Bianca. So okay. me, me being the, the shit disturber that I am kind of aside <laughs> the whole time of being like, who are you gonna choose, buddy? I mean, who are you gonna, who's are you gonna, gonna be? Is it gonna be Sasha? Or you're yeah. gonna switch over to Bianca? Are you gonna be one of those bandwagon jumpers? Well, dad, yeah. I liked it from the beginning. No, no. 
It's not about the beginning. It's about right now. What's the moment now? And my, my wife's just smacking me. She's like, would you stop torturing our kid? I'm like, I got to know. But then there's my five-year-old who walks right in front of me. She doesn't take any shit. She looks me square in the eye. She goes, these two don't matter. All about Rhea and Asuka. And I said, okay. Oh, she has her right. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's she's an Asuka freak. But then when Rhea won, she's like, Daddy, I like her. I want a jacket like her. I'm like, all right, well, you're five. Let's 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 get let's get comfortable before I'm okay with you wearing all leather all the time. Okay, yeah. please. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and for me, I am a uh I'm a huge Rhea Ripley mark. Like when I first saw her, I was like, she is a star. Wow, she's a star, she's impressive from the moment she comes through the curtain till like she goes back through, she's a star the entire way and much different look on her face. Almost like she almost had that look on her face. Like I'm here because I earned it. And I know I put the work in and this is my time. A huge difference. But speaking of uh, <laughs> who are you going to choose? Who are you going to choose a few years ago? Although the wasn't a very uh, long match, a few years ago, I had taken my son to New Orleans for WrestleMania 34. Nice. And there was that John Cena Undertaker moment where you can imagine my, my son was born in 1998. So when he starts understanding wrestling by 2002 and three and four, who's the man? Who's the guy in the business? John Cena. And John Cena. So now he's the guy. Now me, I'm a little younger. The Undertaker was always the guy. So... And I'll admit to to a degree, like if I had to pick one and one A, Undertaker and Cena. I know a lot of people, a lot of people give Cena flack, but tell me where the bad John Cena match was. Yeah, I can't. I, can. I really yeah. can. If you can show it to me, show it to me because John Cena was on top of his game the entire time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're we're in uh, New Orleans and. It, it's time. Cena versus Undertaker. Who do we got? And um, this thing's a little bit, but, uh, you know, we kind of left Cena hanging high and dry. <laughs> we were both Undertaker. <laughs> Sorry, John. Sorry. I just, it, it had yeah, to be. If it were anybody else, John, <laughs> but it's like it's the Godfather here. It's the Undertaker. It's the guy. Oh yeah. You know what? Uh, you're absolutely right. John Cena was the man and, and, and Mike skills uh, aside or trying to find out who he was as a character. Uh, he was always at the top of his game, even in the younger days with the mics, just thankfully he found the doctor of thugonomics and he got away from that. I'm going to wear the same colored shorts as all your sports teams. Like I- I'm just happy he found who he was and he went with it and which was great. Now I have this, this argument comes up a lot with, with John Cena that I really like. And uh, they said, well, you know, in the Attitude Era, he wouldn't have been nowhere near as big of a star. And that's when I'm like, excuse me? He would have been bigger, in my opinion. Absolutely. Imagine, like, because you're getting PG John Cena. Mm -hmm. Imagine, like, Attitude Era taking the chains off this guy and just letting him run. Mm -hmm. He would have been maybe not the top babyface, but he'd probably been the top heel in the company. Oh, 100%. He's like him being able to just say and do whatever he wanted. I was like, that's scary. That would be, that would have been frightening to see. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, be fortunate that you got him in this era and not that one, because you'd have hated him for another reason. <laughs> so I got to circle back to AEW now because I got to know this is a question for my own personal reference. You get to wrestle John Moxley, 
and you get to wrestle the Dark Order, and you get to wrestle Hangman Page. Now, Moxley and Hangman Page at the top of their games. Hangman's yep. still got a lot more ceiling. So does Moxley. So does yourself. Yep. But who hits harder? Because you took a couple good chops from Moxley and a couple good chops from Page. So who hits harder? I got to know. Uh, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say physically stronger is uh, probably John Moxley. He's probably physically stronger. But Adam Page is a lot snappier and, and quicker. So those are two different, like when you get his, wow. Moxley, you can kind of see it coming. Is the heavy lumber, heavy handed. Um, he's a, which weird is like when you see guys on TV, sometimes you don't get a perception for how big they are. John Moxley is a lot bigger in person than he looks on television. Really? Okay. Yeah, a lot bigger in person than he looks on television. And then you have somebody like Billy Gunn, who's way bigger in person than he is on television. It's like, wow, this guy, massive. Like, you don't get it. Like, you have no gauge for how big this guy is until you stand in the front. He's probably, like, legitimately a, a good 6'5", every bit of 270. Yeah, guy's a big guy, but like Mox is a lot bigger than he looks on television as well. Wow. And uh, you know what? You know what? I, I got I, I think overwhelms me on television as well is that buckshot lariat that Hangman Page does that he wins 90% of his matches with. Yep. When he backflips over the top rope and he's running at you with his arm out and you know it's coming. Can you really yep. prepare for the 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 the, the hard hitting buckshot lariat? Because I know that thing seems underwhelming on TV. To take one and, in the ring must be insane. Uh, it, it was. It, it was. And uh, he has pinpoint accuracy with it, too, because when he comes over the ropes, that's a difficult thing to do. He has uh, – if we'll, we'll break down the fourth wall a little bit here. Mm -hmm. And um, you're going to think he – when he front flips over, he loses sight of everything. He loses sight of where his opponent is, where the ring is, the canvas – everything so for him to be able to land on his feet and take a split second and still hit his mark that's a testament to his athleticism like that's a that's a I'm like wow um i don't like admittedly i don't watch a lot of wrestling these days um not because i'm like oh i'm not watching wrestling because it sucks i hate wrestling it's more like it, again trying to fit it into your schedule it's like all right do we have time for this? Do we have time? For this? And I'll sit down and I'll watch some stuff here and there. And his buckshot lariat was one of the things that I've seen recently that really stood out. Now, when I'm watching, when I'm watching, I'm kind of breaking it down. Okay. How are they doing this? What are they doing different? And I noticed foot placement on both Adam page and his opponent. So when I saw that I was wrestling Adam page, uh, I knew exactly where to be and when to move to make that look as good as I could just by sheer happenstance. It's like, you couldn't write that. That was one of the things recently I committed to memory was like, ah, uh, I see where he lands. I see where his opponent is. And I see where the lariat actually takes place and the footwork involved in that. And I was like, you know, if I ever find myself in the ring with this guy, not two weeks later, I'm standing across the ring from him. I was like, I know exactly where to be for this. Wow. It's, it's the small things sometimes. 
Absolutely. But that's a testament to you and always being ready. Even when you don't know if it's going to happen, you're being ready. You're watching the footwork, you're watching the placement. And that's a, that's a part, a testament to us as human beings. We never stop yeah. learning. We never stop right. growing. I mean, I started this podcast four years ago with not an idea of how to do anything, nothing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it progressed. I had a co-host. I lost a co-host. And then I just decided to do it on my own and start having these conversations. And it's, it's gained traction. But I don't care about the traction. I didn't get into this for the numbers. I got into this for selfish reasons. I'll be honest with you, Bill. If we could break down the fourth wall, I got into this so I could just talk wrestling with some amazing people. And now I can add you to the list. And that's incredible for me. That really and is. And we're carrying on some pretty good conversation. Absolutely. We've broken down the fourth wall. We've talked about boas and princess tiaras. We've had a blast. We've talked about how you turn coded your son from a John Cena fan to an Undertaker fan. It's incredible. We're doing it here. <laughs> Absolutely. So if, if there's a, a fan out there, a young man or young woman that's watching this and is looking at you like, okay, 14 years in the business, still going strong, still going healthy, still you know, getting what he's earned. How do I get what I've earned? How do I start my journey in pro wrestling? All right. The first thing you have to do, and this was years ago, even before I got into the business and this made sense to me. Um, I heard The Rock on, it could have been some late night talk show. And The Rock's advice was, first thing you have to do is to find a reputable training school. You can't go to like Joe Smith's wrestling is that you have to go somewhere reputable where they turn out quality, you know, quality wrestlers. And that made sense to me because my first journey into the wrestling business, I showed up at a wrestling school um, in the area. There's an independent uh, wrestling company who had a pretty good following and they brought in really good guys. They had like Joey Mercury there. Julio De Niro was there. They had some regulars that would come in that were, you know, credible name guys for the time in the area. And I thought, well, no, this is, this has got to be a good place to go. Absolutely. Well, you get there and it, not quite what I thought wrestling training was or should be. I ran the ropes a few times. I took a few bumps and I, I did a few moves safely and did them pretty crisp. And they look at me and they're like, well, our next events in six weeks, uh, you'll be on that. And I thought, all right, I know how to wrestle already. This is great. This is, this is just wrestling. Um, well, then the event comes up and I have the match and the guy that I originally had messaged, uh, his name is Ken Downs, uh, didn't have a training facility at the time. Well, I come back behind the curtain and he had a laundry list of things for me. He's like, how long have you been training? What have you done? And he's like, and he's like, don't take this personally, but you probably shouldn't be out there right now. And I'm like, I don't know how to wrestle. And he broke down. You're like, you did this. You could have did this. You did this. You could have did this. And he didn't sugarcoat anything because I'm a grown ass man. And he didn't have to handle me with kid gloves. And he didn't. Well, fast forward a few, a uh, few months later and I wind up at his training school and he said, look, you're, you're a big guy. You're a great athlete. You're, you look good. Um, he said, but you don't know shit. He said, so I'm going to break you down and we're going to teach you how to work. And over the next few months, I'm like, ah, this is wrestling. This is wrestling training. And Ken Downs, like 100 percent 
got me ready to be the person I am. Um, when I was done at his training school, I knew what I was doing. And I heard things from him that I had only heard at like the WWE level. So he knew exactly what he was talking about. So like good wrestling training, first and foremost, you need to find good training. You just can't go to like half-ass wrestlers training half-ass wrestlers, and that's not going to cut it. Um, and secondly, uh, make sure that your body is in shape. Train, train like an athlete. We're not, I, I have friends because I go to a gym, obviously friends that are power lifters, strong men. Well, well, come on, you can do this. And you, you can probably lift this. You can probably go heavier. Probably could. But while I could do that, all you guys are talking about the muscles you're blown out, all the muscles you're tearing. I was like, I haven't had any muscle tears. I haven't had any surgeries. I'm training like an athlete. I'm training, you know, pro wrestling specific. Make sure you're training right. Make sure your diet is right. Um, for the love of God, have a car and a driver's license. How else are you going to get to? How else are you going to get to your gigs? But uh, wrestling training is first and foremost, and <clears throat> excuse me, training <clears throat> training your body is just as important. And you don't have to look like you know Brock Lesnar or Dave Batista, but take a look at somebody like Dolph Ziggler, who isn't the biggest guy, but man, that guy's in great shape, isn't he? Like Hangman Page, not the biggest guy in the world. But man, he's in great shape, isn't he? Guys that take being in shape seriously. Absolutely. And those are fantastic words of wisdom. A couple more questions, and I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. But now this is this is going to be dropping in June, right after my 200th episode. So I'm pre-recording just to get some content ahead. But um, yep. any more future dark appearances that may be happening between now and June? that by the time this airs, we won't be breaking down the fourth wall? Um, I'm not sure. I, I hope to. Um, without saying too much, I got obviously got really good feedback because of the, the guys I was in the ring with. Um, I got good feedback from them too and in front of some very important people in AEW. So I'm hoping that, you know, by midsummer at least to, to be back in AEW, show some face, and hopefully, I don't know how you say get bigger opportunities than, you know, Dark Order, John Moxley and Adam Page, but hopefully look for some bigger opportunities, maybe some more time on the clock, maybe some uh, a bigger opportunity to be me and show what I can do, uh, not just what I can do for you. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping there, there's more opportunity at AEW. Absolutely, I am. 100%. And I know there will be because for a guy like you, a guy who is has the great mindset that you do and the great understanding of the business, uh, the world's your oyster right now. And that's because of what you've earned, not what you deserve. I learned that from you. And I'm going to quote Thank that you. a lot of times. I am. So if anybody's stupid enough to not be following you on the wonderful world of social media, where can they find everything big time? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Big Bill Collier. Um, on Facebook is Bill Collier. Um, I'm not a big social media guy. It's again, it's one of those things where I see a lot of guys are doing a lot of social media activity and that's fantastic. But like, you know, raising kids, being a, having a family and, you know, just being a man in general, if I can get the social media, I'll get the social media. I'm usually pretty responsive. It takes me, if it takes me a little bit of time, um, even getting this set up between you and me was like, Hey, how about this thing? Can we make this work? Can we make it work here? Um, it takes a little bit of time. We're all busy people, but give me a follow on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, 
And um, like you said, I'm pretty responsive. I usually get back to you and we'll get things going eventually. Absolutely. And we did. And it was worth it was worth the wait because the conversation was amazing. And I can honestly say that big time Bill Collier, I was a fan of before, but now I can say we're friends. And I can't wait Absolutely. for the doors to open so I can actually see you back at Greek Town because I've never been to a Greek Town show. I know, shocker, I found you on the internet. I'm sorry. But when I no, no. when you when you get here, I can't wait to to watch you tear it up in person. I cannot. And I'll plug Greek Town because Greek Town is amazing. It was a it was supposed to be a 2015, I believe, in November 2015. It was supposed to be a one shot deal. Channing Decker and um, Trent Gibson were going as the frat. We're gonna do we're gonna do this show here in Greek Town. We're gonna have fun with it. It's gonna be a one off like a spot show and great turnout great crowd response i kind of pulled decker aside and i said you sure you're just gonna do one because it seems like you might be on to something here bud and um because i, I don't know he's like it was it was a lot of work i was like it was a lot of reward too i was like you rewarded these fans with a great you know a great event here you could probably do two or three of these a year if you, you know you got an open weekend two or three a year turned into five years later every month until the shutdown so I'm looking to get back to Greek town soon and they let you fly there, man. They let you spread your wings and whatever you want to do, you go ahead and do it. That's one of the best places I work because there's no restrictions. There's no restrictions on what you can do or what he will allow you to do. He will allow you to do anything you want to do as long as you're being safe. Here we go. It's one of my favorite places to work Greek town wrestling. Absolutely. And when you do come back here, since we are now friends on social media, I know you'll message me and be like, hey, guess what? The borders are open. I'm coming back. I'm buying tickets right away that day. Even if they're not on sale, I'm going to buy them somehow. I don't know how, but I'll get them. <laughs> and, and, and my promise to you, when you do, I'll have a complimentary big time t-shirt for you. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I will wear it with pride. Bill, you take care of yourself. You enjoy the rest of your weekend. And as soon as this drops, you know, I'm going to tag you and everything. So um, let's just get big time, more big time, because he deserves it. 14 Absolutely. years in, and the, the engine and the tank are still full. And that's what Thank we do. All right, Absolutely. man. Thank you. Have a good day, man. All right. Peace out, guys. Yep. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace. None of my leave you out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.